What is good? Let's have some fun. It's the Fundamism Podcast with your host, Paul J. Long, and all things fun. We'll let the fun begin. Woo! What is good, ladies and gentlemen? It is your boy, Paul J. Long, coming to you all the way from our sponsor, Charlie Hustle. And you guys are in for a treat on the Fundamism Podcast today. So we've been at this thing for roughly six months. I've been trying to get this guest on the show since our come up. And uh, it's finally happening. Like it's culminating today. Mr. Charlie Hustle himself, Chase McAnulty. Chase, how's it going, buddy? It's going good, man. Happy to finally be here. I'm happy that you are finally here. So before we get too far down uh, the many rabbit holes that this podcast will take us today, we like to start every single podcast with every single guest in one simple question. What do you do for fun, buddy? Man, life is fun. Everything we're doing is fun. Um, I think we've created a business of fun. Outside of that, golf, travel. Hanging with my wife. Your wife is gorgeous and amazing. She's a yoga instructor. She is way cooler than I am. <laughs> how'd you score? How'd you score, Holly? I don't know. I was, you know, we we uh, we went to we were up at KU together. Um, we were dating other people and met back up at a homecoming one time and just kind of like reconnected and. We were all both kind of going through different things at the same time and similar things, <clears throat> helped each other out with those things, and uh, I think built a relationship off of that. Mm. It was, she quickly became somebody that I didn't want to be without. Sure. So. Um, obviously, one thing that we have in common is that I, I think we both believe wholeheartedly in energy and the power um, that it can have and create in one's life. And I've heard many people say over time that you know behind every successful business owner is you know a very strong woman or a strong man you know as a as a significant other. So before before we segue into your business and and what you've created successfully here as um as just a champion for for Kansas City and our community, but also you know something amazing that that drives fun home for a lot of employees here locally. And uh, just a wonderful story. I, I think it's important to understand what role Holly has played in the creation of Charlie Hustle. So how, how did she help and how has she continued to help establishing this brand? Well, I think any, anybody who's coming up from a small business perspective or just entrepreneurial perspective, there's, there's always naysayers. There's not a lot of support in the beginning. Right. Whether you, you know... There's always family. There's always a select group of friends, but you know the majority of people think are haters. Yeah, (laughs) for sure. (laughs) But you don't necessarily look at it like that because it's like you know statistics aren't really good anyway. Sure. You know most businesses do fail. So um, I think having that person that is kind of going in it with you um, and understanding what you're going through and fully supporting that and also hopping in to help out 
wherever it's needed because at that time it's just like you know you don't have departments you don't have employees you don't have it's just getting things done in a random manner and you don't have a set plan every day of what what needs to happen you just kind of do it and she was always uh, completely supportive in the beginning and um, really you know in, in my first year of growing Charlie Hustle hopped in and um, helped me out with a lot of the a lot of the stuff that I didn't want to be doing or couldn't be doing and uh, really if if you look at it she helped me build this company mm. so um, and it, it was it's been really fun to do that together and just just see all the steps you've made and look at each other across from we, we used to be desk mates really and uh, um, things have changed and business has grown and she's kind of gone and done her thing she's still very much involved <clears throat> on an ownership level but um, just to, you know we talk about it all all the time just things that have happened and I should probably yeah. give me this yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'll have a lot of those. I'll find something else. I just so. stole his water because he kept beating on it. This is what creatives do. They have to have something in their hand. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's been wonderful. You know, I've known you for under a year now. Yeah. But just the growth that I've seen. Sounds weird. It did, yeah. I've known you for under a year. Just under a year. I remember back in the day when we first met. But uh, <laughs> I, I do, re- you know, it's been it's been amazing to watch not just your personal growth and your brand's growth, which seems counterintuitive because you really hit you hit your heyday a couple of years ago, and we'll talk a little bit about that. But but just seeing your brand grow and seeing your relationship grow just in the last couple of months has been absolutely amazing. So I want to talk a lot about that. But I think that you referenced something that many many individuals could probably relate to. I mean, remove yourself from being an entrepreneur, but so many of our decisions in life oftentimes are based off of our fears and what other people think about us. And you had mentioned like in the come up, there's a lot of haters out there. Yeah. What do you think drives that? Why, what, what is that environment created by? I don't know. I think it's a smorgasbord of a lot of different Great things. Great word, smorgasbord. Smorgasbord. I, I'm happy I even said that right. Um, you know, there's, there's jealousy and envy. There's that side of it. But there's also like what's this dude doing kind of thing um or you know just overall belief of again it's very hard to start a business and build a business you know i think there's so many random statistics out there but 80 87% of businesses fail in in 5 years and 60% of all statistics are made up yeah <laughs> <laughs> i love that i love that but so all great points. That, you should, man. Sure. I listen. Uh, you, make sure you quote me at least twice, and then it's yours. Right. But uh, I didn't come up with that. I stole it from somebody else. But let's talk about let's talk about that come up, and let's talk about what you've built, and you know how the idea of Charlie Hustle came about. So I know. So are you local, born and raised? Yeah, grew up Overland Park area, just South Kansas City. Um, yeah, born and raised. Um, avid Jayhawks fan. Both my parents, they met at KU, actually. Hmm. Um, sister went there, brother went there. I actually was, I'm the only one that didn't, but I lived up there. You didn't go to KU? No, I actually went to, I commuted back and forth to the Kansas City Art Institute. Wow, this is the first I'm hearing of this. Yeah, I had a 
F-150, 1997. Just loud. And, man, I ran that thing into the ground just going back and forth. As you should have. Yeah. But, you know, I I got my college life up in Lawrence. Yeah, you did. There's not a ton of that at the Art Institute. Right. But, you know, my mom kind of had directed me towards something that I might be more interested in than just going to school. Mm. I often found myself... I'd be at the bookstore for like three hours, you know, skipping class. Nerd. Yeah. So, but, you know, I was, in, I was interested in learning for myself, right. teaching myself. And I think nowadays you look at that, you know, when I'm going through that, and that kind of brings up the haters and all that stuff. It's like really all it was is I was going kind of an unconventional route. I had... Five other roommates up in Lawrence. We had a duplex. We had both sides of it, so it was three and three. My best buddies, it was... It's like a frat house. Yeah, yeah, it was our own frat house. It was senior year, too, for them. Um, it's 2008 National Championship year, Orange Bowl year, the best possible year you could have been up there. Mario Chalmers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Keeb Tlaib, man. Oh, yeah. Todd Reesing. All the great times. Man. Um but it was it was cool because, um, you know, they were all kind of going to school, and I was doing my thing during the day. I was bartending at night. I was traveling back and forth a few days um, to go to class, and um, I was just simply doing something that was a little more unconventional. Now there's so many other resources. There's so many things out there. Social media, like. People have access to so much information, and with that information comes knowledge. Mm. Um, and you could get it other places, and I, I think you can say that's really what I was doing um, without so many resources, but I was just simply interested in teaching myself, learning something for myself as opposed to maybe being up in front of, you know, with, with a teacher that was telling me something that, I wasn't very interested in right. I knew it. Like, I think there's a lot of parents that could probably listen to this podcast and, and relate to what you're talking about as they're, they're trying to figure out what their kids are going to do and, and how they're going to manage that, right? right? And specifically right now, I know that there's a large push to, to get our children in this college education. Um, obviously, you have one, but you went a different route, and there's so many different things to do. You know, I was just I was just talking to the gentleman that was putting together your alarm system, and how um, <laughs> how challenging right now it he's is for these. Guy, he's a the great way. guy. What's his yeah. name? Dan. Dan, phenomenal guy. But we were talking about how thin the market is for help in what he does, and there's just a, an influx of jobs because people need that work. But there's not enough people to do it because we're pushing this idea of college on children now. And so you decided to go the Art Institute route. Uh, You're a very creative individual. How did you you land there? Well, um, like I said, I think my my mom was a huge influence just through this whole, through my life. Mm. Gosh. Um, But I was, it's weird. I think we're probably getting into the come up of Charlie Hustle here a little bit, but you know, I was the kid in high school that was, or at least I thought I was, that kid that was, my goal was to wear the coolest T-shirt mm. every day. And it was usually vintage T-shirts, you know, 70s, 80s T-shirts. We had all these different 
this is like I probably wore this in high school, and I love same one. It actually smells like it. Yeah, feels like it. It's very thin, and I'm pitting out pretty hard. <laughs> That's because I beat I beat you down in ping pong for this. I don't know. I think we tied. It's two to two, and mm-hmm. we got. I mean, if we're not counting the series, series earlier today, you're accurate. But yeah, I, I'm a I'm a cumulative guy. I mean, I don't know. Well, let's talk cumulative. <laughs> let's talk. Oh, you oh you want to get into. So you're talking we're, about we're pretty close. We're pretty close. That's true. Yeah. Pretty close. Yeah. So vintage shirts, the cool guy want to stick out in the crowd. Obviously, you want to look fresh and dope. So what happened? Yeah, I was interested in like just funky. Like Nike was for one. I was a huge Nike head, but not in the sense of like you know Jordan and all that you know hip hop kind of hype in high school. It was. More like just the throwback, the history, the the you know Phil Knight in the early days and Bill Bowerman and um, I was very intrigued by that story. Obviously, Shoe Dog's one of my favorite books ever. It's something I've read multiple times, but I think I was just interested in like I loved that story, and you saw it through their T-shirts, not just their shoes, but. Um, like this is a Nike blue tag from early eighties. I knew the whole history of, you know, those tags and the stories they told and, you know, pre Fontaine and pre Jordan era. Um, Jordan was obviously the, the guy that really made Nike what it is today. And then you go on to Bo Jackson and the story just erupts from there until, Last night when Zion Williamson just busted yeah. out of a shoe, I wonder how that's going to go down. That's, that's tough. You know, I've never seen an Adidas do that. Yeah. As I'm sporting these Jordans right now, though. Yeah, they'll be fine. Yeah. I um, think so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, I think it was just, I was very curious about the, the story these T-shirts told, whether it was an old concert T-shirt, whether it was old, like, 1985 Royals T-shirt, and the simplicity of the designs. Um, so I was, I was just interested in collecting those and then wearing them and being like, it was, it was kind of always a conversation piece. And I think that goes to today. Like we've literally tried to create designs that are just simply conversation pieces. Like, where did you get that? Or, you know, creating that person's favorite t-shirt, whatever it is, we have options, sure. you know? But I was, um, you know, back to my mother, you know, I, I was interested in these vintage T-shirts. I was kind of going to school. I, I was out of high school trying to figure out what I was going to do. I had a couple years at, or a year at a community college. Um, just didn't love that. That's when I was in the bookstore, you know, like, screw this. I'm going to go figure it out myself. And my mom, my mom was actually the first, one of the first designers at Gear for Sports. She kind of really helped build that design department. Um, they were actually called Winning Ways back in back in the day, Lenexa, Kansas. That's where I grew up. That's where I reside. Yeah. You won't come out there anymore. Yeah, I don't know. I, I will. <laughs> I just tell you that. I golf out there every Sunday. Um, <laughs> you haven't golfed out there multiple Sundays. It's by been friend. a while. Yeah. There's some. This is bad weather. Bad weather. Kansas City. Um, But, uh, yeah, so my mom was a graphic designer. She was putting stuff on clothing. She was part of that collegiate apparel industry, and I was always 
interested in what she did, but I, you know, I was young and, you know, growing up, living, living that life. And, uh, living life to the fullest, you mean? <laughs> I think so. I had no clue what I was doing. Sure. But she, she knew, you know, she knew me very well. She knew my interests and she kind of guided me to, why don't you check out the Art Institute? Go get some kind of skill set in the graphic design department, design department, art department, whatever it was. And that was kind of a moment in my life where it something clicked for me. Just, wow, I'm not just going to class right now. I'm like fully interested in this. And the te- the coolest thing about Art Institute was teachers were awesome. They were all award-winning artists and designers and whatever it was. Uh, people that you could learn from as opposed to just putting somebody in place, which I thought that was always kind of a thing. Right. What does this person know that, you know. What is They've this? never even applied. Right. Yep. Or like a business teacher, you know. Wouldn't a business teacher <laughs> be in business if they were any good? Sure. You know? I don't know. Um and that's probably no offense, business teachers. <laughs> yeah, that's probably very short-sighted. But um, at the same time, like, yeah, that was that was the start of my own inspiration of what I might be able to do in this. Sure. Life. Well, what's interesting to me is uh, we spent a lot of time together over the course of the last multiple months, and um, hearing that background of you growing up and the influences in your life. Now I'm looking around the room, and uh, if you're watching on YouTube, you could see some of the amazing things that you've collected here. Uh, Charlie Hustle just went over or went through some significant renovations. Yeah, and uh, you know I'm I'm staring here at one of the most iconic Jordan photos of all time or posters of all time, where he's you know showcasing his wingspan. You know we got Magic Johnson, Larry Bird up here. We have all these 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 cultural icons and and moments. You know Lenny Dawson here for the Kansas City Chiefs, and it says a lot. now knowing who you are and why you why you got to where you are, at least the influences in your life of how you've created the culture of your business. Like I, I never knew any of that. So talk to me a little bit about why this. So why have you decided to to create Charlie Hustle and the image of your really your childhood, right? Yeah. I mean it's it this place is like my model of my childhood bedroom really. right <laughs> and it's amazing yeah i won't tell my employees that but i you know i think they enjoy it too but i i think uh just in general what was the question well i just that's, uh, see that's what i do I no this is all so. right this is what creatives we're do we're gonna have to edit that no we're, we don't edit man that's the, that's the thing about <laughs> no, fundamentalism completely rolling. uh completely informal organic conversations the gist of it is, is what I find amazing is that you've created a culture based on really the things that you love yeah. in your childhood. And that might seem somewhat counterintuitive for folks trying to start a business because they want to make sure that their employees appreciate it and they feel like they're a part of it too. Yeah. And yours do. So how have you been able to manage that? Like These are all the things that you love, yeah. but you've attracted fantastic help that fit into your culture. Well, to, I mean, to go back to the original question, I think deep down, I just wanted to uh, have a job in sports. Okay. Some way, somehow. I was, I played basketball growing up. Um, I thought, well, I I thought I was pretty good. You were Charlie Hustle. I was a 5'10 kind of stubby white kid. 
here we go again with your tapping stuff. Yeah, I told you. <laughs> you can keep taking it away. No, that's 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 a. Uh, this is Country Club Bank. That's right. It's a fan of yours. I'm a fan of them. I think it's a mutual respect. Yeah, for right? sure. They've been good to us. So um, you were you were decent ball. You love playing ball. Yeah, grew up playing ball, but I was heavily influenced by. You know, different sports figures. Ken Griffey Jr. was my guy. My grandma lived in Seattle growing up. Um, so we used to go out there every summer. We'd go to a, the kingdom back. I was actually there the night the ceiling fell. Oh, I don't... actually think it killed somebody. That's Thanks for bringing up old yeah, stuff. It's a little morbid. But uh, no, I was, I was always, everybody had their heroes, but I was just so interested in it. If you remember the old Costacos Brothers posters, I have them all throughout this place. Um, you know, the Bash Brothers. Yes. Or the old Bo Jackson, like, black and blue. Um, just, yeah, it's a childhood bedroom. <laughs> but I think, you know, that that was kind of the influence behind now a product that we're kind of creating. Right. I wanted to create something that told a story and took us back to our childhood. Some of our finer moments, everybody's finer moments in their lives. I mean, childhood was the best. Life gets hard. Now. Right. It's, I think that's a critical aspect of, of fundamentalism, right? Yeah, is, as we is. grow old, like we lose sight of the things that we love. And I think that's, people tell me all the time, like as, an, as a podcaster, as an interviewer, man, you can't be a fan of the people that you're talking to. Like you don't let your fandom shine through, but... But what you've created in something that you love and living your childhood is something that everybody aspires to do. And probably not news to you, that's probably why we have so much in common, because I, I live life very similarly. And so how did you get here? Like, obviously, I, I know 2014 was a huge, a huge year for Charlie Hustle, but there were a lot of things that led up to that. So how did Charlie Hustle get established to this, this mega Kansas City brand that it is today? Yeah, so quick rundown. I think, you know, out of out of um, college, you know, I was living up in Lawrence. I wanted to see something better out in the market for KU gear. I also had kind of a, a side blog. It was called Wicked Threads with a Z. <laughs> Wicked Threads. Wicked Threads. Yeah, it was terrible. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> terrible name. Um, <laughs> it was just kind of something fun to do. And I had vintage T-shirts up. I had this whole subculture. I, I wrote articles. Uh, it was when blogging was like blogging, that heyday of blogging. Dude, I blog. Yeah, but I, I mean, it's, are you hating on blogging now? It's just a thing now. It's a <laughs> media. Outlet. But blogging was. Right, like, do you hear what he's saying about my skill set? Like he's no, it's completely. It's coming full circle to haters back as he started the podcast. But now blogging is just you know anybody can blog. You know, internet media. Right. Right. <laughs> But back then, like, there was this whole subculture I found out of, like, vintage T-shirt dealers and people that were interested in this stuff. And um, so I was writing articles. It brought people to the site. And it actually was kind of teaching me about Internet marketing. And um, that was when e-commerce was really starting to get going. And so and eBay was kind of a cool thing. Like, eBay was at its height. Hmm. And it's probably... A much bigger IPO now, but you know, at the time, eBay was—you could find really cool stuff. For it wasn't so saturated. There wasn't like 
you know, a Rolling Stones 81 shirt you could find for 20 bucks. Now it's definitely $200 right. because there's now a, you know, a market has been made for that. Sure. But so, you know, Wicked Threads was kind of that first step of I had little levels of success. I said, here is something that kind of works and I'm interested in it and I'm passionate about it. It's kind of, you know, I was I was young and dumb and we'd take I'd take all the profits to bars in Lawrence and run it back and do it over again. And I realized, hey, I'm 24, I need to get a job. You know, and I took a design job out of, um, you know, working for, I think, a liquor, some liquor distributor. Of course. I I think. I know. Um, (laughs) And, but I was, I was getting a skill set. I was in kind of a corporate environment, exactly where I didn't want to be. But I needed to go through that to know that. And um, I was just kind of learning through that. And T-shirts were still kind of there, but it was kind of put aside for a while. And so about a, a year into the job, I was like, okay, I know I can't do this, so let's set a plan. I'd be a big planner. Um, it's been a big part of our success, I think, um, or anything, anything I do. I think planning, preparation is key to, you can tell. By your preparation for this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> Uh, you mean the things that matter and yeah. are most important in life. Well, this matters. Sure, I get it. <laughs> no, but you're absolutely right. You know, in my experience with you, you're a very um, analytical dude, um, very structured. That is not me. I mean, you're structured in your thought process, right? Right. And, yeah, uh, you I was, know, I'm, I was like, nobody would say that about me, but. Yeah. You, you're definitely a very you know, deliberate thinker and, and process oriented. I am not that way. I mean, I get lost in details. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, oftentimes why you help push me in, in my realm because I'm an idea guy. I get really excited. You know, we had a situation a couple of weeks ago where I just got super excited about an idea and I ran with it before I even fully baked it. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, you called me out, which everybody needs. But, you know, what I love about what you're saying is you went through this corporate experience that you had to go through to understand what you really wanted. And we shared uh, an Instagram post today and it was, Talking about the the worst addictions in life, right? And it was <laughs> hair on, uh, carbs, hair on, <laughs> hair on, carbs, and a weekly paycheck or a biweekly paycheck. And I think that so many people could probably relate to that. And we go to we go to work. I, I went through the same exact experience, you know, every single week. And people tell me all the time it was the golden handcuffs, man. Like uh, like I can't lose my job. I can't leave my job. I can't pursue my dreams because. What's going to happen if I fail, or how am I going to pay my mortgage, or whatever it may be? So, how did you get over that? Um, I think I think it was just like I had I was passionate about something, and I had a history of something that worked, and I think I just I knew where I didn't want to be, and and that kind of drove me a little bit. I was always again entrepreneurial, I think, um, just from wanting to teach myself and learn for myself, but. I had to set a plan and say, okay, I know there's something here, but I need to learn from those failures and those, you know, small levels of success and kind of recraft it and, and figure it out for how it can, you know, turn into a business. Sure. And so I, I think year two of my job was, I was certainly, I would come home 
five o'clock. I'd, I'd catch something for dinner. I had a couple of roommates. They were kind of doing their own You would things. catch something? Like, uh, yeah. Like yeah. you're a fisherman? Yeah. <laughs> Have some, uh, some Made some fish hard, sticks. But... <laughs> Do you like fish sticks? That's a, yeah, I'm not going to answer that. <laughs> I, I'm not leaning into you, Paul. That's one of my favorite things to say to people, though. It's so immature. So you're uh, two years in. <laughs> you've had some success before. Uh, yeah. So um, so it really wasn't a large risk in your mind at this point because you had felt the you felt the success of of your past, and you felt as though if you focused your energy, then then it wasn't a big risk at all. Well, yes and no. I mean, pre- the pressure was starting to hit. I think you turned. The hardest years of anybody's life, I think, is that like 25 to 27. The quarter life crisis, we call it. Like, well, it's just, it's real life is happening. Mm-hmm. And you might have graduated college and had a couple of years to play around, but you know, you start, that's when you start to see your peers. And some people are maybe getting married or some people are starting, really starting their careers. And um, if you're any kind of competitive person, you gotta keep up. <laughs> yeah, and I know, you know that you are. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think uh, I had to. I had to make a conscious decision. Um, I was living in a basement in Prairie Village. I had shirts all over the place, um, and I was starting to build a business plan, build this website. And the plan wasn't for anybody else other than myself. I needed to map out what was in my brain. I think that's the most important thing about a business plan, because otherwise it's, it's not that useful. You're me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it'll completely change. Dude, you don't have to agree with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm just messing with you. Keep going. Um, so I actually, we launched our website October 2012. And that's about the time I chose to move home, back home. Um, my my mother was battling cancer. Um, this was second go around. Um, what type of cancer, if you don't mind me asking? She had ovarian cancer, and as you know, I mean you're you're close to um, that world a little bit. But um, I think cancer in general, like medical advancements over the last ten twenty years. It's incredible mm. what's been accomplished. I always uh, big believer in in giving, um, giving back, to sure, finding cures. Um, but I think it in in general, when she first had it, it kind of deteriorated her body. You know that medicine created harder things for her body to manage. It might have brought on other things. So. Um, where were we again? <laughs> we're, just ta- we're just talking about <laughs> how happened. your how Charlie Hustle became this established. In and meetings all the time. With no, my team. we're I, talking about the year is 2012, and you're several years in, and you've got your business plan, and you you've really kind of ironed things out, and you move back home, yeah. and your mother's going through this extremely challenging moment, where I'm sure that you have to be some kind of support mechanism, but you need support yourself mentally, and yeah, I mean, she, my mom was awesome. You would have never seen anything, and I think till the day she passed. Um, there isn't in there that's unfortunate, but you would have never, she, you thought she was superhuman, Mm. you know, um, she was iron woman. Um, but I had, I had moved back home because I was like, for one, I don't have any money. 
and I want to put all my intention, you know, attention into what I think can happen here. And if I don't see it through, then it's definitely not going to happen. Right. So I quickly realized, like, when you have eight hours in a day to do something that you're interested in doing, it's amazing what you can accomplish. So that weekly paycheck, that biweekly paycheck, whatever it is, um, that quickly was like, you could really... You could offset this pretty easily. Sure. And it gets And be in more control of it, right? Right. And I was at an age where you know, I could I could afford to do that. I think, you know, it's harder to take risks the older you get. You build family, um, you have kids, you know, people trying to build a foundation for themselves. So um this was kind of my chance to go do it. Um and you know, I. it was interesting. I was still collecting vintage T-shirts, using those for inspiration. I worked with rag houses in Houston, Texas, that would take an abundance of clothing. And, um, smorgasbord? Smorgasbord. And they would, they would, you know, they'd take it from Goodwills and whatever. It's kind of this weird recycled used clothing industry that's like goes to third world countries. It comes back. It's crazy. I could really get into that, but nobody's really interested. Incorrect. That's episode two. Uh, okay. Charlie I'll talks. Back. I'll come back in three years. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about it for three years. Yeah. Um, but I would have like 50 pounds of T-shirts show up at my parents' house, and they were like $1.25 a pound. If For those of you who don't know, you know how much – T-shirts weigh. There's about three T-shirts in a pound. Okay. So you get a box of 130 to 140 T-shirts, and I would just you'd sift through them all, and maybe one of them would pay for your entire batch. Really? Or you might lose your ass. Sure. Um, but the factory started to understand what I really was interested in, and I'd sell them on eBay. We'd sell them on Wicked Threads, and they'd also start to kind of and we're kind of going back a little bit here, but I would shove them in my parents' basement. And if you walked out into my parents' basement when I was 26 years old, it was filled with just disgusting, smelly, old, used T-shirts. And I thought it was the most beautiful thing. It was, you know, you'd have, you'd have a bunch of crap. Sure. 20, 30 of those shirts were just gold. They'd be... You know, different sports shirts. They'd be different concert shirts. They'd be like, you know, Cheers Boston or whatever it was. And they were soft and they were perfect. And I just found so much beauty in that. And I wanted to create a business that brought that back. Because I think the 90s hit, 2000s hit, and 100% cotton was a thing. And you remember just, and it's kind of coming back, which is weird. But it was like, and it's like, why does why do people want that? But it's just the hard, yeah, like, terrible. It's like the shirt that you shirts. would get, like if you go on a Cozumel trip and you you buy three t shirts for you know fifteen dollars or th- you know twelve dollars yeah. or whatever, and they're just terrible. Gildan, yes, twenty years, yes, and now they're starting to figure it out. But <laughs> it's like. Man, I hated that, and I I think that's why I was wearing what I wore in high school. Because I, you know, for one, I 
I wanted to bring something unique that nobody else was wearing. It's hard to stand out in high school. Mm. Or, you know. Not when you're a nerd like you. <laughs> Man. <laughs> So so how did you transition then? How did you transition from all of these old stinky t-shirts that you were collecting and selling on eBay eBay and Wicked Threads to your brand? Well, I think to speed it up here cuz I know we're getting through some stuff, but um the first t- the, I was just going to design school. The first t-shirt I ever created was a Danny and the Miracle, Danny Manning 1988. Hell yeah. Danny and the Miracles t-shirt, which we still have online today. And no, I don't have one. Well, we'll make that happen. Um, I didn't realize you were such a KU fan. You told me today at lunch. You and you never knew this? Not, not really. Like I am diehard. Yeah, I've never seen you wear yeah. crimson and blue. Well, it's because it's, mainly, like, I'm so self conscious about wearing any shirt that's not Charlie Hustle around you. I appreciate. And that, I also am cool. very hesitant to ask you for anything. <laughs> And believe it or not, my T-shirt budget is not in the millions, so I can't buy every single T-shirt you make. Um, t- fine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but this Danny and the Miracles shirt was like I had buddies all over town that were like, "Where do I get one of those?" And so I was, you know, we printed like a hundred, and then they'd be out of stock, and you know. People were interested in it. It was, again, like when we launched in 2012, that was kind of amongst some other things. You know, you you had to keep it in stock. People were interested. You were like, okay, here we go. And actually, you know, we had Danny and the Miracles was on our Wicked Thread site. So that was kind of the first shirt that really did anything. When we launched Charlie Hustle and this is for people that really know Charlie Hustle here in Kansas City. We launched with 16 t-shirts. The last shirt we launched was this little Casey Hart kind of, it's just a heart with a Casey in it. And it was kind of an ode to old Kansas City. You know, the railroad stations in the 1900s had a little pin. It said Kansas City inside of a heart. The plaza, 1940s, their light post had kind of a KC inside of a heart, um, all different variations. And obviously we know the Kansas City Monarchs, they had the patch on their sleeve. So it's been a part of Kansas City history, and we just made it prevalent on a T-shirt. Um, but I was, I was like, this could be a really cool kind of Kansas City pride thing, um, civic, civic pride. And turns out that was kind of our ticket. That was the ticket, the golden ticket, as Eric Kerbman would say. What year is this when you dropped the heart? So this is this is 2012. Okay. It was 16 designs when we launched. Casey Hart was literally the last thing we... I, I wanted 16. That felt like a good number. Mm-hmm. And it was just, you know, the last... That week before launch, actually, I, I was like, let's throw this in here, see how it does. We sold 27 shirts that day, and you know we had it was a lot of family, friends, supporters, um, that people that knew and cared about maybe what I was doing in the first place, or knew about Wicked Threads. And 14 of those sales, 14 of the 27 were this that was the Casey Hart. So we knew again we had something, we had a ticket to kind of ride, and 
we put a lot of our marketing attention behind that shirt. Um, now, this as this as your growth is taking place, running parallel to your growth is it's that shirt right there too. That's my niece in that picture. Well, we're going to get some close ups of this, <laughs> but at running parallel to your your growth or your ascension is really the 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 decline of your mother's health, right? Sure. Yeah. So what's so obviously um, your your success is 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 being challenged in your thought process? I'm sure by you know the heartache that you're experiencing at home with your mom. Yeah. So well, uh, she's going through that, and she's fully supportive. She was always supportive in me. Um, she kind of she had that entrepreneurial spirit too. But even before that, so we're running. You know, 2012 we launch. We need other aspects to kind of pull. We're starting to do more designs, um, seeing, kind of feeling out what people like. How do we keep this early attention? Um, and so we did a Kickstarter campaign with the Negro League Baseball Museum. Mm, we've had Bob Kendrick on the show. Bob, tremendous dude. Tremendous. Uh, I mean, that guy can. Talk very well. He could tell the best. He's probably the best storyteller I've ever met in my life. Yeah, if you are in Kansas City and you have a chance to go to the Negro League Baseball Museum, put your foot down when you're there and say, Bob Kendrick must give me the tour. Yes. Because it is a completely different tour, and he will go into, I mean, he's got a ton of history. He know he knew Buck O'Neill very well. Mm-hmm. Um, very awesome, articulate Person, I've learned a ton from him, um, but he was in full support. We had many meetings just leading up to this Kickstarter campaign. I was just a young kid saying, "Hey, here's what we're gonna do," um, and I was very interested in that kind of culture of Negro leagues and even just Negro leagues isn't even just that it, the Hispanic leagues, right? And all of the baseball leagues outside of major league baseball sure. the culture and the adversity and the stories uh, and the huge right it's awesome um even just like the house of david was an it was a baseball team that a jewish baseball team that was amazing storytelling um so i was intrigued by that jackie robinson played for the kansas city monarchs never heard of him yeah <laughs> um what a guy. So you're having these meetings. So we're having these meetings, and we're like, we want to do a Kickstarter campaign, and we're trying to raise money for our business. And Kickstarter was kind of just really getting popping. And we said, we're going to launch, I think we launched eight T-shirts, um, and we added a few more later on. But we kind of picked out the top eight Negro League baseball teams. And we told the story, and Bob Kendrick came on and did the video and had a three-minute video. Our goal was to raise twenty thousand um, dollars, and we hit, you know, halfway through. And this is where Holly really comes in. She was just um, pumping the the contacts and just getting media for us and getting us on blogs and doing things that I was just like, wow, this is amazing! Like just opening up all this stuff. Um, and for those of you who ever want to do a, t- uh, a Kickstarter campaign. Tim Ferriss listened to a lot. Um, he has an article, I think back in 2012, um, 
on just running a Kickstarter campaign and it has all these templates and useful resources that we utilize um, because a lot of people kind of just throw a video up there and think they can do it. There's a lot more that goes into it. I wanted to launch a month, you know, into the research and we actually launched six months later. Mm. It was like, there is much more work to do here and this is very real and if you want to accomplish this and make it happen, you better put the work in. Sure. So you launch. So we launch. Um, we raised twenty four thousand dollars total. We really hit our mark in about thirteen days. Wow! So then it's like hands off. Let's get to work. Right. You got to fulfill orders. That was a big step for us because here we are. We launched our business, and then we had another kind of another height of success. So people started to know about us, not just. We weren't just this Casey Hart thing. We had some other design talent, um, and we had some cool stuff to offer. But it was very, it became very local Kansas City, um, which was okay. That was our civic pride was our ticket in the beginning. We fast forward to 2014, craziest year of my life. Um, Royals haven't made the postseason 29 years. 29 years, awesome. Gosh. So many memories. Um, so it was it was crazy. I think uh, you know, 2014 hits. Charlie Hustle's starting to grow, starting to expand. Um, my mom's health is kind of deteriorating, um, and but I got all this shit to do, you know, and so. How are you coping with this? I'm coping by working. I mean, I was I was spending late nights. We had a little office um, about ten minutes away from my house, and I would just go work. And I'd come home, and my mom was always a night owl, so I'd come home and make sure that you know I we got our time in because you know my dad would be asleep. Um, you know my. I would we'd come home and we'd have that time together. We'd spend two hours laughing or talking or just just discussing life. Mm-hmm. And you know, you knew she was going through some shit. Not <laughs> you didn't know how bad, right? And you again, you were young and naive enough to think like she's superhuman. She's going to be fine. And you would you you couldn't tell otherwise on her face. And so um, you know, our business is starting to kick off it needs me um my family needs me um and i'm starting to form this beautiful relationship with holly i'm like this is crazy right being pulled in many different directions and then um we you know i think what was it 2013 my mom november she wins her golf championship what? Yes, yeah, she she wins the golf championship at her golf club, and then March of 2014 she passes. So um, this was like this was a crazy time, um, and I have this new relationship with Holly. She's in full support. She's around me all the time. She was actually living out in L.A., and we were dating for eight months over the phone. <laughs> talk to each other every night. It was amazing. If anybody says they can't do the long distance thing, 
you're not in love. It's just not a priority. Yeah, <laughs> you're not in love. Right. Um, but if you can, it, it was a real thing, and so I had all these things going on: these good things, these bad things, these weird things, and then the Kansas City Royals are, you know, we hit October of that year, and we're in the postseason. And we had this perfect storm of events. Paul Rudd pops up on TV. Um, local KC guy. Local KC, national TV wearing KC Hart, another colorway that we had done. And he says it's his favorite T-shirt on national TV. He's not taking it off until we lose. We ended up going to, you know. Game seven game of the World Series. The World Series, third base, Alex Gordon. Why you got to bring it up? I mean, it was awesome. It was so awesome that whole time. But I remember October 29th specifically, I was sitting across the table eating dinner with my now wife. And we're like, how the hell are we going to fulfill all these orders? Um, so it was a perfect storm of Royals winning, Kansas City pride, Paul Rudd. Um, and we had actually... Holly had inquired about doing a little pop-up at the Plaza Art Fair, and this was like September. Um, and they said, well, how about you do like a little holiday pop-up instead of, we wanted a tent for the Plaza Art Fair. And they said, well, how about a store? Or like, holy smokes, let's do it. Let's figure it out. And that was kind of the big the catalyst to that, that was the catalyst to a lot more of where Charlie Hustle was going. So, I mean, being an individual that lost my dad, um, in just two weeks after he turned sixty years old, and being in some like significant uh, places in my life where I was trying to figure out my career and leaving corporate America and all that jazz, um, I often wonder if like I ever really took the time to grieve. And even to this day, like I, it's not something that I ever get super emotional about. Yeah. Have you ever taken the time to grieve? I mean, what is that? What has that process been like for you? I don't know. I think we're about ready to grieve here now. Oh, are we? <laughs> I can well, see I mean, obviously, I don't, I don't, I don't want to bring up you know heartache for you, but it sounds like there was never ever time for you to really process what happened. Yeah, I don't think there was. Um, I remember just bawling, you know, at, at, we were at her funeral and everybody had left and I went back to pick up some stuff and I sat in a chair, empty auditorium, whatever you call it. And I was just, that was my moment to ball. And I think part of me was like, I needed that by myself. Sure. I had my brother and Holly around my two favorite people. So, yeah, I don't think grieving was an option at the time. You had to keep going. Right. You had this new love of your life that, I mean, you got to, uh, how do we keep that? Sure. How do we keep this business going? And then, you know, I also felt like I was, I was very much like my mother. So I felt like I took a lot of responsibility on to be a good brother, um, be a good son, and kind of lift up the family at that time. Right. It was hard for me, but 
I think everybody goes to that. You, same thing. Yeah, and know? I think that the the thing to unravel most there is, you know, there's so many folks that, you know, in the, in the Fundamism book, if you've ever read it, um, <laughs> there's a... I have read t- it. We talk a lot about being a victim versus... Um, I haven't read in Next Steps. Oh, that's okay. I appreciate that. Well, you know... But that's like... Because without the N in fun, it's just F-U. Yeah. So we talk about victim versus victor. That's right. It's perfect. And so everybody goes through challenges. And what's, uh, what's interesting is that some folks would say, well, yeah, but you never took time to grieve, right? You should yeah. always take time to grieve, which there's some truth to that. But the same token, nobody's ever really gotten anywhere by living in the past, right? And right. you could reminisce and remember the good times. And I remember the moment that, <coughs> that I felt like... Uh, our relationship, our friendship kind of took, it turned a corner. Yeah. And uh, if you're tuning in and you got kids in the car or, or you know, vulgar language or, you know, something like that offends you, please turn it down. But <laughs> I, I'm, I, I, I'm a very informal, that's right. I'm, I'm a very informal dude. I like to crack a lot of your mom jokes. And I, yeah. you know, I kept cracking your mom jokes on you. <laughs> and uh, the first time I did it, you're like, my, my mom passed away. Thank you for bringing it up. Well, that's that's a common response for folks just to make people feel uncomfortable, right? Yeah. And so I did it a couple more times. Yeah. And uh, I did it once again. And I'll never forget, I was laying in bed with my wife. And I said, your mom. And you go, dude, my mom passed away. And I'm like, are you serious? Yeah. And you're like, yeah. And I said, well, so do my dad. But you don't have to be a bitch about it. <laughs> and you said, yes. And like you, exclamation yeah. points, like you appreciated that at that moment. For sure. And, yeah. uh, and I think that's important. Like, I, I love my dad. I miss him. You know, I have some phenomenal memories like you do with your, with your mom, but they would want us to move on. They would want us to, at this pinnacle, this crucial turning point in your life where you have a buddy, new relationship, an amazing brand, uh, you know, a, an actor on national TV. That's like, that's, that's saying that your stuff is like, is, is the catalyst to, to the Kansas City Royals winning the World Series. He's not going to take this thing off until they lose. Yeah. And uh, they would want us to be able to relish those moments. Oh, totally. And so I, I appreciate, uh, I appreciate your, your willingness to be um, uh, a little more, uh, what do I want to say, appreciative <laughs> of that situation. And, and uh, I think that kind of took us to the next level. So a lot of stuff to unravel in your story, Chase. I think that we, uh, I want to get more into Charlie Hustle. Um, we're going to have to do it at a later date, man. We're 55 minutes in, and I feel like we've been talking for 20. Let's keep going. Uh, I think what we should do is <laughs> I wanted to ask you um, a bunch of rapid fire questions. Sure. Just about uh, you and, and, and um, who you look up to and, and all kinds of different things. So you and I connected at a mastermind meeting. And uh, very unsuspecting, you opened the door for me. You held it open. I didn't know you. Uh, I knew of Literally the Charlie Hustle. I, yeah, that's exactly right. Um, <laughs> at this point in my life, I thought Charlie Hustle was a dude. Like, I, I mean, I thought that that was the name of an individual. Yeah. So you open the door, and 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 we connect. I find out in this moment that you are literally what some call a super connector. I mean, you, you connect with people at a deeper level. And it seems like you know everybody. Mm-hmm. And you're very willing. Um, it's interesting that we started the conversation talking about haters and how people are out there to, to tear you down. And you build a lot of people up, man. And you've been a really crucial um, friend of mine uh, and, and 
and even more so than a friend, you've helped grow my business just in the relationships that you've helped build. Where did that come from? Jackie Robinson. What One you- of my favorite quotes of all time, actually, and it's something that I really have chose to live by. And I think it also is instilled you know, through my parents, but life is not important and accept what you do for others. Mm. Um, or some variation of that. Sense. Sure, but, he's paraphrasing. Yeah. So um, I think I think especially when you see success, um, what you can give back to that is most important um, because you know not only does it open up more things and more relationships, but and relationships is really what it's all about. Um, I think giving. You know, our, our company gives a ton back to charity, but I, I want to give a ton back personally. I want to take knowledge I've gained because it's it's nothing. Um, why keep it to yourself? Like this is so cool what we've built, the people we've met through it. Um, there's no one of the most exciting things is to share it. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the most important things is to share it, and that excites me. And um, I think everybody should see it that way. Like, well, I was on Instagram last night, and I saw a, a quote by Damon John, like from his from his Instagram, and he said, "If you're good at something, never give it away for free." And I thought to myself, and I even responded, like, "How do you balance your heart with that?" Because there's so many folks that, for example, they would never get to experience me speaking. If it wasn't for their organization paying for it. Yeah. And so I know that for you and for folks like you, there's so many people that reach out to you for help. So how do you know who to help and where to where to focus your energy? Well, that that uh, comment is very this is a little more specific to your talent and your skill set. Sure. Like I'm a good maybe graphic designer or whatever. Um, I'm not gonna give that talent. That skill, but you have away for free. No, not really. Really, no. <laughs> no, but I mean, the anybody can be a connector, and anybody can have friends, and like, I disagree. I think that that is a skill set. So it's very easy for you to say, you know, obviously, you're, there's a commodity in the value that you have as a graphic designer, but not everybody can connect with people in the level that you do. I don't know. I think I have a a platform. I think the company we have built has a voice, at least in this city, for sure. Um, and we're using that wisely, but I think at the same time, like connect connections are you know mo- almost as valuable as you know time and money. Sure. Um, it's the old quote about it's not what you know, it's who you know. Sure. And you get to know more people by introducing them to others and learning more about others. Because you, I, I get, you know, I get to introduce you to somebody, um, and I see your skill set and I see how you communicate with people and talk to people, and it gets me excited. And I'm like, I know that's going to come back. Mm. I know, like facilitating this conversation not only it, it opens up it's like the plague you know it, you're going to connect with this guy he's going to connect you with this guy I, that might come back to me in some sense but in general we're creating this whole 
like world, this whole Rolodex of humans with really like-minded. You want to be surrounded by like-minded people, sure. And you continue to find that, and you grow in different stages through that. But me and you have connected through that in a very powerful way. I feel it. Yeah. (laughs) Who has been one of the most uh, impactful or interesting? I know those are two completely different definitions, but who has been one of the most interesting individuals that you have met uh, in your journey? (sighs) That's a good question. I, I mean, I've met so many cool people, interesting people, business owners. I have a I joined a Vistage group two years ago because I was, we built a company from a very creative standpoint and I, I felt I was fairly business savvy, but I needed business knowledge in a major way. I said, we've built a great company here, but if we want to go further, I need to be better. And then being an owner is very different than being a CEO. So learning how to go down that path, I found not only a great mentor and my coach, but a room full of individuals that are doing it mm. and that have gone to this place and that place. And um, it was a whole world of different connections. But in it, I think it was everything you were looking for at that time and that you can learn from and sponge from and... So that's that group has been a kind of a, my own fraternity, a brotherhood, if you will. You know, you can take it back to my mom is a huge. My mom was a huge influence, um, but I think just people along the way have brought things into my life, and you try to do the same, and it guides you, mm-hmm. and you listen to that. And when my mom passed, I think the most important thing that happened to me was the spiritual connection with my own self, understanding that and how to use that. Um, you know, I, I was never, I didn't grow up in a family that was, in, you wouldn't see us in church other than maybe Easter and Christmas. I've married into a, a Catholic family, which is very interesting and something I have observed over the last few years and, you learn, and it's like, why give that up when you have so much more to learn? Sure. Um, there's a lot of life out there to know, and there's a lot of people that you're going to meet along your journey. And I think that's where, like, kindness comes from. Right. If you can find, if we can all build kindness, God, imagine what you can accomplish and the people that you can meet just waking up in the morning and you do this very well, but with a fucking smile on your face, Mm -hmm. like you might make somebody's day, but you might also meet somebody that changes your life. Right. We were at lunch the other day and you said, you were looking (laughs) at me all crazy and you said, I can't help but look at you and consistently question I don't remember what you said, but specifically something. So I'm 37 years old. I'm fascinated by you. Man. But you said something <laughs> to the extent of how how are you not 20? You continue to think that I'm. You well, know, you're a child. I am a child at heart. I am a child at heart. <laughs> but I think that goes back to what you're saying. Yeah. 
And I've always battled that. Like we're in this mastermind group, and I don't know if you saw this today, <laughs> but uh, this is something that I constantly battle because to me, life should be about lightheartedness. And I take things that are serious uh, seriously, right. but I think there's so many of us that take things too serious that shouldn't be. So one of our group members sent out a, a, a message saying, you know, we're in, we're in the market for a new trainer. And uh, I respond with this picture of me uh, oh, as Ric Flair saying, uh, have you guys looked up the styling, profiling, limousine riding, jet flying, kiss stealing, wheeling, dealing, son of a gun? I hear he's available. Woo! <laughs> and not one person responded. Damn. But it, That's but not it, a... That's not a group. <laughs> so, exactly. So that's my. So after I send that, I start to think about my my mishap, you know, and it, whatever it may be, you know, I beat myself over stupid stuff. But I start to think of myself like, is that the group to do that stuff with? But then I catch myself and I think, no, screw that, man. I'm going to be 100 percent authentic. I'm going to be who I am, and I'm going to try to bring joy, time. fun, and fulfillment in other people's lives. And if they if they want to ride, then let's ride. If they don't. Then you become the average of the seven people closest to you. So, yeah. so let's do the damn thing, man. I uh, one of the coolest things, Chiefs. That organization is one of the most, the classiest organizations in society, America. Um, but uh, you know, when we were first working with them, uh, you know, I was nervous. It was a big deal, and I've always walked into a meeting kind of being myself. Mm-hmm. That's kind of, I feel like instincts and just my own personality has kind of helped get us get us to here. And I had to trust that in a sense. And I even asked, uh, you know, I had a good buddy kind of with the Chiefs, Mark Donovan's right-hand man, Tyler Epp. Awesome dude. Shout I got out to, to Tyler. I, yeah, I got to know him a little bit. And I even asked him, I said, you know, what should I wear to this meeting? Because I'm usually, you know, people know me for this. And he's like, don't change a thing. Come, just be yourself. Wear the hoodie. Be a Belichick if you have, you know, that's sore subject. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Um, next year, though. Yeah, next year. Oh, yeah. All years. The next it's, 10, at least. Yeah, let's pass that baton. That's right. But uh, I think... That was an important lesson for me of just like trust your instincts, trust yourself, trust you know what's brought you this far, and you got to clean up some shit along the way. Of course, yeah. But um, you know, I thought that was one of the coolest things, and even our CFO, who's been at a financial firm for thirty <laughs> years, and he's probably had more fun than he's ever had in his life in the last three years. He was retired, pulled him out of retirement. And, uh, I mean, he even showed up in a, you know, I think a, a sweater. Still looked pretty business-like, but um, it was important to show who we were in that room because they wanted us. Sure. And they didn't want something that was bullshit. They wanted authentic you know, you spoke about that. That's why we got on this. Right. They wanted authenticity, and I think that is one of the most important things nowadays. You get in a sales pitch meeting, and it's like people aren't going to care. People have three minutes to learn about what you're about. Yeah. 
and you have three minutes to garner their attention. Yeah. So why waste your time on talking about yourself not? and something that you're not? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, when they say people don't remember what you said, they remember how you made them feel. So, yeah. Um, you're an individual that believes wholeheartedly in self development. Obviously, you've talked before this podcast about meditation. Um, Dale Carnegie once said, the largest room in the world is a room for improvement. You take that to heart every single day. What are what have been some of the um, resources or individuals that have helped steer you down your path and, and guided you in this journey of, of growth? Well, I think habits are very important. Um, I listen to a ton of Tim Ferriss and, and Tony Robbins. You can throw all those business guys out there, those guinea pigs that are doing it for everybody else. Aubrey Marcus, that's a cool one. But I, uh, I think... Habits are important. Rituals, daily rituals are important. Um, and I, I was always, I had a lot of growing to do when I was building this company. Obviously, I had some business knowledge to gain, but um, more so, I think my habits in my life um, and changing those and developing new ones and learning how to develop new ones. Um, so for me, something that's really helped Meditation is something I've brought on uh, over the last year, but even more specifically, very much lately, like I can't start a morning without it. And you actually know the difference when you don't have it. And it's just 10 minutes of, you know, breathing. And I don't even, I still don't even think I know how to meditate. <laughs> it's, it's not anything that, it's just a, you know, you're, Letting go and being mindless. Yeah, right? being mindless and trying to focus on breathing. and But it's important. It, it's amazing what it does to your cognitive state and helps you just reset. And so, I, you know, I've, I've tried to put on five habits this year of, you know, just mindfulness, meditation, um, exercise, my wife is a yoga instructor. Yes, she She's is. Awesome. Um, so it's it's either yoga, bike, or doing something active. Getting that ass whooped in ping pong. You know what I'm about. Here he goes. <laughs> Man, you saw that. Rob, you saw what really Did you happened. see it? We actually got it on video, so we'll, yeah. be, able, we'll, be, able, we'll be able to show everybody watching exactly said, how it went down. Rob said he was going to take all the bits that... The winning bits. Yeah, he said he was going to literally create uh, yeah. a storyline. You said you were going to make were... me look good at the beginning. That of is true. Yeah. You've you've done a phenomenal job making yourself look good. So, last question, and I know that this is this well journaling. Oh yeah, because journaling, meditation, journaling, exercise. Journaling is huge. Journaling is the like journaling. Growing up, <laughs> you're like, journaling. what the hell? Why would I do that? What a waste of time. But morning and night. Huge and just huge from a gratitude perspective too. If you can have your gratitude in the morning and evening, understand why you're doing what you're doing, who you're doing it for. You know, it it also kind of promotes self love in a way. It helps you get out of your head even more um, when the world is fast and it's fast for everybody. I mean, there's so much going on and there's so much information. Bullshit, good shit, whatever. So journaling's huge. Reading, 
no, people don't read enough. Sorry, I'm clicking again. People don't read enough. Um, I never used to read, but it's something I've brought into my life that's can't live without it. Sure. And vitamins. Vitamins. <laughs> vitamins. vitamins. Shout out to vitamins. Yes. Vitamins are the fifth thing. All right. Last question. And this is going to be somewhat of a, of a challenge because you mentioned earlier the stars aligned um, to get you where you are today. Many things have happened. You've learned a million different lessons, I'm sure. You've had a million different individuals that have helped propel you to where you are. Um, but you've, you've been the main catalyst. I mean, you have made things happen. Sure. If you had to give uh, somebody that has an idea out there advice on how to, how to let go and, and allow that idea to come to fruition, what advice would you give them? Well, there's always, I, I said this recently in another, I cheated on you. I did a podcast. I know you went on another podcast <laughs> that asked you after I did. But hey, but yeah. hey, at least you sponsor mine though. So that, sure. yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but do what you got to do so you can do what you want to do. I think that's what life is really about. And that's kind of a very simple way of putting it. But like, just go. And I, we talked earlier about resources that are available nowadays. Education is becoming completely different. Like money, currency is becoming completely different. This world is changing in a major way. Like who would have ever thought marijuana was going to be? We don't got to go down that route. But what, like, man? It's, it's crazy. Like the world we live in right now is so, and it's going to just continue to evolve. And it always has. But the resources we have to go create and do and learn and gain and um, just become nowadays is amazing. So I just say, go do it and understand why you're doing it how you're going to do it and then what you're doing it for. What is your purpose of, like, where do you want to get to? And if you can manifest things, journaling is a big way to manifest things because, again, it gets gets it on paper. Mm. Um, and everybody's got their own way of doing things. But that's that's my advice. And then just keep going. Listen to your instincts and yourself and surround yourself around people that – you know, are positive influences on your life. Get rid of the rest. Sure. In high school and junior high and elementary school, we are thrown in this pool of people that we don't really get to choose who they are. And we have, we, we create great friends out of it. Um, and we have different acquaintance, you know, people we get to know a little bit. But as adults, you get to absolutely choose who you surround yourself with. So why waste your time, like, not being around somebody that has that positive influence or is on this, going the same direction you're going. Right. And that direction may change. But you you literally get to go where you want to go and choose where you want to go. And that's up to you. Sure. Well, Chase, you're an absolutely fascinating gentleman. Um, you had mentioned that you're fascinated by me. When we first met, I remember my wife 
I was telling her a story about you, and she said something to the extent of, uh, you guys' bromance is real. And uh, <laughs> what I appreciate about having you on here is now everybody understands exactly why Charlie Hustle is a sponsor of this podcast, because Chase and his team literally live fundamentalism. Their brand is created uh, on the purpose of of helping others and standing for something bigger than ourselves and creating something that you have affection for and gravitating towards the things that you love and that give you strength. And so I am so blessed to have you on the podcast and appreciate you being here and opening up your heart. Um, if you want to learn more about Charlie Hustle, Chase, where can we go? CharlieHustle.com. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. So you mm-hmm. offer uh, T-shirts. T-shirts. What else do we got? We got a, you know, we used to be the T-shirt company, but we are much more than that. A huge product line of different garments and, you know, it's a cool clothing brand and mm. lifestyle brand and heavy into the collegiate market. It's, we're having fun. We are having fun. <laughs> to close it out, in the words of Chase McAnulty, uh, not to be confused with Chase Slackanulty, as he was called in high school, That's do right. what you have to do to do what you want to do. I love it. Thank you for tuning in, as always, to the Fundamism Podcast. We look forward to catching you on the flip side. Go create some fun in your life, but maybe, maybe just push yourself to drive a little more fun in the life of others. Have a great day. We'll catch you next time. Cheers. Cheers.